Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome. God damn it. What do we do here? I shouldn't have to tell you. We get inside the minds of comedians and oh, what amazing minds they are. Fuck, man. So many different levels. Levels to be unlocked. Stories to be told. Dialogue to be had and shared. Today, guess who we talk to? I gotta, I gotta call this guy my brother. I'm gonna say mentor and brother, man. A true OG in the game. But one of the OGs with a fucking young spirit. I'm talking about Cedric the Entertainer, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, dog? What up, brother? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited about this one. I'm excited about this conversation here. I am too. I'm I'm more likely just glad we not in a bucket, a bucket of ice right now. Right now, okay, yeah. You thought it was gonna be cold as balls. No, that's not. Yeah, cold. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, said I. I wouldn't bring you on cold as balls. That's that's the show that I do for for just you know the athletes, the sports figures. This is oh, right. This is strictly based around comedians and comedians only, man. And for you, said I've known you for so long, but we've never had an in-depth conversation. And this is my opportunity to do that. That's why I wanted to do this show. It was to, to talk to my peers in a way that I haven't talked to them before and, and truly get to know them, right? Because yep. I know you, but I don't know you. This is an opportunity yep. to, like, to get to fucking know you. So, said St. Louis, I know that's where you're from. Uh, yeah. you, you wear that badge with goddamn pride. It's, it's a badge of honor that you have. Uh, why why comedy in St. Louis? Why why was stand-up comedy the choice that you ended up making? You know, I mean, St. Louis is a, a Midwest city, um, you know, a lot where it was it was dope dealers and and athletes. And you know, and the thing was we didn't have a basketball team, a, a, a major league basketball team. So it was baseball players that were known. So anybody that you saw that kind of like popped up in the city was, you know, was either, you know, they they was either a b- baseball player, or athlete, and then there was entertainers. So we had singers like Angela Winbush and, you know, uh, uh, you know, old school people came from there, uh, Red Fox, of course. And then, but comedy started to pop off because it was like a small town where it was clubs and everybody just tried to get out. And comedy started to pop off uh, in the late '80s, uh, early '80s, mid 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 early '80s, and that's and that's when I just discovered I could do it from another comedian who kind of put me on game. He just liked what I used to be saying and was like, "Yo, dog, you could do you can do this comedy thing." So it wasn't like uh, it wasn't like you know the the inspiration came. You know, a lot of those stories stem from I saw such and such on stage and that's when I said, fuck it, man. I want to do it. I got to do it. It was pretty much you were a funny guy, cool as shit. A comedian that you knew said, yo, you should try it. And you yeah. said, fuck it, why not? Yeah. That pretty much was it because my, mo- my mother was a school teacher and so our family dynamic was to go to college, get a job and, you know, grow, get, you know, come up in your job and that's what you do, right? And mm-hmm. that's what I did. I I, I went to college, got my degree. I was working for State Farm. I was the first, I was the original Jake from State Farm. You said- Tackies, <laughs> polo shirt, 
whole whole deal. Clay dealing with black folks in their cars, man. You know, brother, <laughs> brother would come there with a, a '82 Cutlass, talk about it's a classic. I'm like, nah, this is old. Dog. No, it's not, it's man. Old. It's just an old car, dude. It's, it's an old car, dog. Does State you- Farm know that? They didn't know. They didn't know. They needed me to be able to inform them because they was they was overpaying bros quite a bit for them cutlasses for a minute. I'm saying the State Farm to date know that Cedric the Entertainer was an employee for them. They act like they don't. They act like they don't. They ain't never called me and asked me to do nothing. Said that's the problem right there. You got to yeah. call them. I promise you, if you were to tell State Farm that you were employed in your younger times by State Farm, I promise you, I'm on record right now on the show. I promise you that you would have a campaign with State Farm. There is no way. I'm calling in tomorrow. Say, I, I, listen, I promise you that you will have a deal with State Farm if they were aware that Cedric the Entertainer once upon a time was employed by State Farm. There's no way. There's no fuck away. It's too much. It's too much authenticity and transparency through that story. It's no so real. Away. I'm dead ass. Here's, right. here's, here's what I say to you, said. All right. You are, you are one of the few comedians that have checked every box, right? And here's what I mean when I say checked every box. We can go down the list of the ones that I feel have. If I leave somebody out, um, tell me, tell me. And, and I'll just stand corrected. When I say check every box, I'm talking about stand-up comedy. And from stand-up comedy, they went to TV, they went to movies, right? I mean, the American dream as a stand-up comedian when we started was to somehow get seen, somehow get a TV show. Well, at first it was, it was to do to do Def Jam or Comic View or, or something. You had, to, you had to get on that first. And from that, the goal and hope was to get a TV show. And from that, it was to become a movie star, a, a big name, household name, and to always be able to fucking tour. And yep. in, in my eyes, is that not the American dream behind the will and want for a stand-up comedian for longevity in the business? Period. That's the That literally is the playbook. Like, everybody wanted it. That's what you do. You start in your local city. You try to get known there locally, get known, get your brand up, get your name up, try to become a headliner. And then, then you tour a little bit, just comedy wise, whatever regionally, get your name known. Then get on TV. That was it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, I've been I've, I've been blessed to definitely get all them boxes, including Broadway. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people, I had a short one on Broadway too. But it's dope that I did it, like a live stage Broadway theater play. We'll play. Like all of we'll these play. things. It was called American Buffalo. David mm-hmm. Mamet, big deal. Me, John Leguizamo, Haley Joe Osment. Uh, it was Holy dope. Shit. What was the experience like though performing on Broadway? Because I hear, I hear it's hard. I hear the schedule is insane. Uh, yeah. But the live performance, they say, is like no other. Did you? How'd you feel about the live performance? You know the, the thing. The thing is, for a comedian, it's hard because we are we are spontaneous. And on Broadway is the first time I had to learn uh, that it was about the words. So mm. again, the the playwright is the most important part of Broadway. So. The biggest hard, the hardest thing for me was as a comedian was not to, um, not to deviate when I saw an opportunity to say something funny. Mm. Like when I saw, like, oh, this would kill right now. Mm. But I did, I did it in one rehearsal, and you know it ripped, and I thought it, you know, I thought, you know, I thought it was cold. I was like, oh, I killed this shit. So then the director came up after rehearsal and was like, hey, hey, man, that was, uh, that was great. Don't do that. Don't, that, that, I, was, that's, I was like, whoa, what? He was like, yeah, don't, don't, don't do, what we don't do here. That. Yeah, I was like, damn. Here. But it was, <laughs> you know, and I think, you know, when I, as you, as you grow, like as an opportunity, you grow using your natural capabilities. But it was the one thing that taught me how to uh, treat the art of acting uh, way more important. So, you know, when you, when you, when you make a choice to be like a stronger actor, in your career, like to say, I, right, cool, I'm gonna get out of my comfort zone, not do these things. That's kind of like my natural ability. Uh, that was the that was the the school that I learned. Like, okay, you got to go to work. You got to go in here and find real minute details to make it special for you to get that character life to make people feel like, oh, couldn't anybody just play this character? You played it a certain way, and uh, 
So that that was one of that was the greatest tool I learned from that. I always tell people that that it was the time that I had to go to work. I no longer could just count on my natural ability to be able like, oh, I can just turn it on like in a sitcom. You can just turn it on like a little bit. That's dope as fuck to hear you say that because you know, you I mean, I've never done Broadway. I don't know if I ever will, but I I the respect and admiration that I hear people um have for it that have done it participated in it been fans of it uh it's a monumental thing man and that's dope as hell i didn't even know that you did broadway you know i'm i'm strictly well versed on the the said that i've seen blossom grow succeed um and that's that's actually added crazy layers of inspiration for me my biggest question to you is when did you know Okay, fuck. It's it's here. Like this is this is this is stardom. Oh shit, I'm about to get it. It's it's really it's an arm's reach. At what point did you know it was coming? You know, it, you know, it, you know, for comics it, it happens at a different time. Like one, if we if we find ourselves on stage where we know where you trust, like even if you even if you're not ready to do it, that you trust you're going to go up there and have a good set, that you're going to go and make people laugh and you accomplish it to any degree. You might not get a standing ovation that night, but you accomplish that thing of, like I went over there and got them people on my side. Mm -hmm. That's when you realize you don't have to go back to a job. Mm -hmm. And that's one of you more, for me, because my mother, you know, kind of in, 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 uh, instilled in me that having a job, that safety, that kind of comfort of being a you know a person that's got a nine to five, that was really fearful for me to to be able to leave my job and be able to go out. And so when I when I realized that consistently I could walk up on that stage and do it, that's when I knew, oh, I'm never going back. And that that was that was the thing that made me feel more like a star than anything because. I knew who I was. Like I'm yeah. like I'm doing this, and I no longer have to be scared about like not doing it. Like I do this. And how so many years? Was, how many years were you in it before you quit the job? Uh, two years. So, and it was interesting because I got I kind of got the State Farm job very uh, simultaneously to when I discovered I could do stand up. So uh, I, I got the you know probably within a week, right? So I worked, you know, worked my butt off and, you know, went through all the ups and downs of all kinds of little penny ante jobs. And then finally landed the job. Right. You're like, oh, I got the corporate gig and now I'm here. I'm working. I got the office, the little cubicle and respect and got my name outside. And I got a little <laughs> company car sometimes. Oh, I'm doing it. Sometimes. And, sometimes. And then, me the car. And, and, yeah. Yeah. The little company car where you, you get, get to pull out, you know, so then, uh, so then, um, uh, same time, about maybe two weeks later, dude was like, yo, I put you in this comedy competition. You're going to go up. If you go up, then do it. And I went up. The first time I ever did it, I won $500. He kind of helped me do my set. Percy Cruz. Percy Cruz the second. You know, he was the dude that gave me, you know, gave me an idea to how to set my set up. And I won money. I won money. And I was like, yo, this is it. But, you know, of course, you just don't leave right away. I was like, you know, cause I had, I was smart. I had, you know, a college degree, man. I had health benefits and dental and, and you know, <laughs> you, you thought it out. Car. I yeah, wasn't you, ready to eat that. I no can't joke. just leave this fast. Let me, let me wait. And, and let me just make sure. I, cause I yeah. can't, yeah. 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 I'm going to make sure. I, yeah, I need I'll to just it. double check. I was taking girls to lunch with my little, <laughs> you know, little thing. I was a man, man. I wasn't ready to get that up for no jokes. Uh, so you're you're in it. Fuck it. You 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 got it now. You you've made the decision to do it. It's working. It's it's going as planned. Um, Comic View, man. You know you hosting Comic View. That was a big deal. It was a big yeah. fucking deal because there was there was a certain level of of cool that Cedric the Entertainer had. There was a certain level of cool and style that you had and your comedy was never compromised because of your cool and fucking style. It, it, it almost, it made you funnier, right? After comic view, how did the fucking transition happen to the show? That's like when, like when were you introduced to Hollywood 
after Comic View? Because I remember, I remember you being on Comic View. And and what I don't know is where was the like what was the segue or the bridge to all of the shit that started happening after? Does that make uh, sense? Uh, I like that's so great. I, and I, I want to kind of give you a little background too, because even Comic View was a wild choice because Def Comedy Jam had popped off. And so I did it. And then I, you know, I had I did uh Showtime at the Apollo. That was one mm-hmm. of the first big ones that black people can get. Mm-hmm. And then I did Def Comedy Jam. And and then, you know, they were steady doing it. And um I had a lot of new jokes, man. I had been at, at home hosting, right? You be at the crib. Got a little night. I'm hosting. I got gangs of jokes now. And I want to go back on Def Jam, but they telling me I just was on. You can't go on. So I want to go. to Now I want to go to Comic View. I just want to get on TV. Mm. And all my peers are telling me, don't go to BET. At the time, you already been on HBO, dog. Keep your brand big. Don't go to, you know, and it's interesting because people will lead you down the wrong path sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. because they telling me, don't do that. Don't do it. And I'm like, look, I just need to get these jokes off on TV. So I decided to go do do Comic View, and it just so happened to be the year that DL was going to step down, and they was picking a new host. Mm-hmm. And that's how I became the host. I I was I was probably by far, like, just by my skill set, you know, knew that I was like, yo, I could, I could do this easy, because I'm hosting every every other night in a in a hood club like yeah. those black people. I'm, you're getting nothing. working. You're, right. you're you're in you're in what we will refer to as the gym. You're in exactly. the gym on a consistent basis. So the opportunity. So you it wasn't like it was this thing was something you sought out for. You just so happened to right. Wow. I just so happened. I just so happened to just need. I had the need to get this material off because I felt like it was going to date. Wow. Like I had all these funny jokes and I was like, this going to date. I need to put it on TV somewhere. And Def Jam wasn't gonna get me to give me the opportunity that season, and so I just was like, "Well, BT it is," and that's what I did, and boom. So then I became the host. Now, now I'm nightly. Now I'm on every night. Every now I'm fucking night. I'm a star at this point. I'm literally, you know, you you jump from, you know, them jumps, man. When you get like, I, right, you know, you go headline, you gonna get two thousand a night. Then all of a sudden, you know, with that, I went to ten thousand a night. Mm. I'm, and I'm working three nights a week, so I'm mm. coming home thirty thousand on a mm. weekend. Like, are you serious right mm. now? Who mm. drinking? <laughs> <laughs> who who want who, what? Who, who want? I got thirty thousand itching, dog. Man, you man shut up! Right? You over here talking about what you what you got to put on? Shut your ass up, man! I just got the fucking road. Just tell me what you want. I yeah, got it. Put some cheese on that bitch, dog. <laughs> I don't give a they don't give a fuck. Oh hey, my about you order that shit. Nerd. Man, you want a cheesesteak or not, man? Get the fucking sandwich. God it's damn. the marinara sauce, everybody. <laughs> Nigga, I don't give a fuck. I'm rich. So, so, so then that was like that was a great run. I did that for one season, and then uh, the tour of that. Uh, so it was an idea to do me DL as a tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walter Lake, the same dude that did Kings of Comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He did uh, he did us as a tour, and that's how I ended up getting the Steve Harvey show. I met Steve many years back. We became very good friends. Um, he had a club down in Dallas, and I would go host for him when he would go out and tour. So he would go out and tour, and then he would let me be his host. So that became my consistent work as well. And then, um, uh, but me and DL was out on tour and we came to LA. And so we would alternate like headlining, depending on where we were. But if you in your hometown, of course you the headline. Yeah, yeah. So, so he was, he was telling me all these people coming to see him. Now I ain't know nothing about Hollywood, Kevin. Like I ain't understand it. So he telling me, you know, CAA coming, uh, William Morris going to be here. Um, you know, uh, ABC going to be in the house. NBC going to be in the house. All these people coming to see him. And I'm like, oh, he the headliner. And I guess I'm going to be looking like the little, the little corny dude that go before him. So in my mind, I'm like, all I know is they're going to be in the audience. They're going to get to see me, too. I switched my show up. I, 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 I went hard. Like, I had lighting packages. I, and I was the dude before DL. But when I came out, it was like a 
it was like special. Like it was like, yo, like I I I like talked to I went over early, I talked to the white man. I was like, I want to do this and I want to do that. And then I had these music cues, and you know, it was the thing like giving people a show, the entertainment yeah. thing. Like, yeah. and that was and they signed, so he got signed and I got signed that same Get night. The fuck now, wait, let's let's just back up. God damn it, shut the front door. Shut the front door and everybody put their plates down because you gotta listen. It's it's so it's so unreal how opportunities are found by accident. It's no yeah. plan. It's about being ready when you're presented with the moment. And and right now, if I'm understanding and hearing correctly, like say you're talking about a moment, like you and DL, you know, fuck you, you ended up hosting DL step down, you ended up killing, you got a name, you popping, you and DL say, hey man. Let's go ahead and combine this tour together. We co-headlining, switching it city to city. You come across California now. DL tells you, hey, man, I got a lot of people out here. They're coming to see me tonight. Tonight's going to be a big night. You automatically understand, well, there's people there to see you. I got to touch the same stage. They're going to see me too. Yeah. But God damn it, they're going to remember me. Yeah. I got to make sure I have a lasting impression as well. You do the show. How did DL? Did DL? What did he say? Was DL? Did he? Hey man, what the fuck? Like what did he say? He get off stage. What did well, DL say? He already knew. Like he already knew. Like that's what I do. Like he was like, this is gonna be. But he DL. Like he he a legend, and he don't really ever care like who goes in front of him. He just he he. That's one thing I love about him. Like it don't really matter to him. He mm -hmm. loved the artist stand up. He gonna go up there regardless. He not measuring himself by you know, like who the code is. He just got his point of view and that's what he going to say. And so he was DL. He ripped. He got it. He got his own deal that night. I got a deal. So that's, so, that's, dude, that's, that's how insane. That's insane. That's yeah. insane. I love, I love that. So, so Steve, Steve Harvey show, you get on the goddamn Steve Harvey show. Uh, I mean, you, you're, you're you. I love yeah. that you you got on the show. You're you, and as a young guy, as a young guy coming up at the time in comedy, it was so dope to see like you know the DL Hughley show, you know Steve Harvey, Saturday Entertainer, you know Damon Wayans at the time. You see all these black men on these prime networks, and they're they're representing television. Yeah. You know, even you can go to Martin when Martin had a shit. You see all of these fucking black men and this is the hope and drive that you want to see because now you know it's possible. The doors have been open. You guys are killing. But then you guys, you, you, you call an audible out of nowhere. The Kings of Comedy Tour comes up. Yeah. The Kings of fucking Comedy Tour comes up. Now I want to go on record and I want to say what I'm about to say. The Kings of Comedy Tour, basically, if you look at Eddie Murphy and you look at the big events that came from Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy touring, right? Yeah. And outside of that, for our culture, you had Martin Lawrence and Martin Lawrence did you so crazy, but we're not really aware of the touring that went with that. Was there an event? Was there not? How long of a thing was it? At, at the time, it was. It's, it's blurred for me. I don't. Yeah. I don't really know. Right. Uh, and no, it's no shots. Martin. Martin is a fucking legend. He's yeah. Martin Lawrence. I'm saying from a touring perspective, I don't know when the Kings of comedy made the decision to go on tour. This was when on, the only tours I knew about, you had the big black comedy explosions. You had, you know, you had tours that were put together. Promoters were putting packages together and these were, theaters and I was lucky enough to open on some of them and be a part of some of those little shows and some were comedy clubs some were not you guys went to fucking arenas yeah with this package said you became the size of an attraction that's attached to a basketball game yeah did you guys know that this tour was going to be that big when you sat down to do it you know, you hear the idea, like when we heard the concept, you loved it right away because the thing for me, the thing that I kind of remember, like you said, you had Eddie, 
Eddie was a, an anomaly. Like he yeah. just was a super big rock star. Everybody knew like he Eddie Murphy. He is what he is. Martin was the same as as an individual. You, you're right. We never really heard the tour. The only thing I knew that toured like that was the Budweiser Superfest. Yes, which yes. was music, right? Yes, and yes. this was the idea of like, oh, all your top people at one thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's what you're doing, right? Mm. And I, when dude presented it to us, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's hot, right? And of course, before, before our culture, I gotta say it again, it we don't before you guys, we did not have the example right. of the of the of the individuals from our culture that was doing it at that level. Like it's not like uh, you know, prior was out doing arenas and and selling them out crazy. Or, you know, we right. know Eddie, like you said, is an anomaly, but after that, we, there there was no example of of a comedic figure or team yeah. that was doing it at that level in our culture. Andrew Dice Clay, he was doing yeah. Andrew Dice Clay, and hey. once again, anomaly fucking through the right. roof. But when you guys came, it was the biggest thing to happen in that spectrum, in that light. Yeah. And until this day, it's one of the biggest tours of all fucking time. And my, yeah. my thing is, when you guys were in it, did you realize how fucking massive it was, man? Yeah, yeah. Like, pretty early on, you recognized, because we started to get pre-sales, like, like we started in Dallas, which was great. Because Steve used to have a club in Dallas. He had a big brand there. Uh, he used to be on the radio there, and so uh, and then and and then both and then like I say, I would go in and and be the host of his show when he was gone. Mm-hmm. So I was big there, and then Bernie. So when we and it was just us three at first, mm-hmm. uh, the first year. But that that like sold out quick, like boom. You know, and then we went around and we did maybe like 12 shows, maybe 12 to 20 shows with that one with Guy Tori as the MC. And it was me, me, Bernie and Steve. Mm-hmm. And then it got it just got bigger. Like every time, like every opportunity we came to do the United Center and sold it out like four times. Insane. Like that kind of nonsense. Like Insane. the United where Jordan and we come in, we sell out two. It's gone. They call, hey, y'all, can y'all come back in two weeks or something like that? We like, hey, for real? Like, yep, let's go. It was God. crazy. That was, that was, you know, you that's the first time you get introduced to the private jet life and everybody got their own limos. And of course, you know, with, 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 with Negroes, you knew it was going to go bad. Because... <laughs> <laughs> We just start getting extra hotel suites and who had the baddest bitches all out there. It just, it just got stupid. Hey, listen, guys, we got to stop for a second. We're having too much fun. I got to pay some bills. Right now, we're inside the mind of the brilliant Cedric Entertainer. We'll be right back. This is Comedy Gold Mines with host Kevin Hart. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave for your vacation in the plane (coughs) and come home under the plane... You've definitely gone on a slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away 
can be murder. This is Slaycation. Now more from Kevin Hart on Comedy Gold Mines. We are back. Man, we're talking to Cedric the Entertainer, and God damn it, we're having a good time. Talking about the kings of comedy, how monumental it was. Say, you guys were rock stars. I, I'll never forget when, you know, they show, and we got to get to how the kings of comedy movie came about. But I'll never forget watching the movie and said, y'all got, y'all got the suits, y'all got the hats, y'all got the cigars. It was, it was the, it was the most, it was the most that I've seen quality within perception attached to the craft of comedy. Yeah. You guys looked like success. You guys look like fucking success. Suited and booted from head to toe. And this is yeah. what it's supposed to be. It's a business. Yeah, we play cards in the back. You guys, you, you changed the dynamic in visual yeah. that, that was attached to comedy. It was, it's like nothing I've ever seen. And when you talk about the limos, you talk about the private jets. What? Who the yeah. fuck? How the, what? Is that for jokes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For jokes? Are you kidding me? So I'm, I'm telling you the the level of inspiration and motivation that came from watching you brothers take that opportunity and turn it into what you did. Are you aware of where Kings of Comedy is on all-time stand-up list? I, no, I'm not. Are you so there's a list and it's the uh, you know, the highest grossing stand-up comedy uh movies that were released theatrically. You guys are are three or two on the list. Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy Raw is first. Uh I got I got let me explain up there and and it's you guys. Now keep in mind I also had Laugh at My Pain. Um I yeah. Laugh at My Pain and and Laugh at My Pain and Let Me Explain and what now. Those are the three. But my other two are well below uh the let me explain nudge you guys but there's there is such a large separation from the three grossing numbers and we're talking about stand-up comedy that got released theatrically theatrically which is which is unheard of it was unheard of yeah that is and it's in this in a in this what 20 plus 20 25 years old maybe 25. Still. Said, you guys you guys were at like 30 something million yeah, million from that. So how how did Spike Lee get involved? How did you guys go to the place of saying, "Okay, guys, this is what we're going to do"? Who came we, up? With we, we did. Um, uh, we were we were putting the movie together, and then you know the tour was killing. The tour was killing, and we felt like it needed um, a cultural thing. And I think that was it was Walter Lathan, you know, again at that time that was like. You know, we need to push for somebody like like Singleton or Spike Lee. He was like, we wanted it, the the idea to, to capture the culture, like to mm -hmm. be black as it could be, mm -hmm. and not just like a just like a just like oh, get anybody to shoot this. And so uh, that's when uh, Spike Lee came up. His name came up, and everybody everybody agreed. Like, oh, that would be that would be dope. Let's see if we can get Spike Lee, and we just. They just reached out, and that's how we put it. it put sense. the deal together. Why? Why did it? Why did it end? Why did the tour end? The tour ended because uh, it was. You know, it's interesting because it was. You know, for me, I'm a lot like you, Kev. Like I live in a beautiful life, man. Like I don't fuck around. I don't, I don't be mad at people. Mm -hmm. I ain't got time to be. You know. But it was some. It was some stuff there where everybody's head got big, and mm -hmm. including the promoter. You know, that he became uh, where he wanted his name in front of everything that unacceptable. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he wanted to he wanted to own the movie. We mm -hmm. it was a whole deal before we even got the movie made about mm -hmm. him just wanting to pay us. And he had a movie. I'm like, dude, we're the writers mm -hmm. like this. Our movie like mm -hmm. we, we, we wrote this movie like mm -hmm. you don't have a movie without us. So 
that's unacceptable. You can't mm-hmm. be the only dude that's getting residual money. So that took a whole thing. But it was the kind of stuff that broke it up because everybody had their own ideas of what they wanted from the situation. And we were all, you know, four guys with with these different camps. And, you know, and so eventually just doing business, it just got to the point where everybody like, look, man, like, I don't trust you. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you this and that. And we just kind of burnt out. So. How many, was, how many years? How many years before you got to that place, though? How many years did well, you guys? We toured four years, and we shot the movie. Jesus and Christ. that the movie was kind of the pinnacle. I think we did maybe, maybe three or four more shows after the movie, and the movie came out. It blew up, and un, you know, I wanna, I wanna it. go on uh, record. They, I wanna go on record and say you, you know me, and you know that I'm genuine. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't do the smoke. I don't do the blow the smoke up your ass just because. Uh, I'm gonna go on record, man, and say, truly, truly, not only one of the biggest tours to ever, to ever touch Ticketmaster, Live Nation, all of it, the biggest. And I'm talking about compared to rock and roll, compared to the numbers. Yeah, you go, 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 do your homework, people. And I'm well versed in this fucking area. One of the biggest fucking tours of all time to date was done by these men the thing that i'm going to ask you said because it's going to be i'm curious for your answer if you could go back now after seeing all that success after seeing like what the fuck and now you're outside of it and you really realize what you did if there was anything that that could have been changed or corrected to try to make it last a little longer do you think that you would go back now and try to fix certain things between the group? Oh, for sure. I mean, and I, I, I definitely tried many, many times. That was, you know, again, I was the only one that wasn't mad at nobody. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because, you know, we we came from a point of truth. When we did our deal, we the one that got everybody paid. Mm-hmm. We was like, look, guys, like we, we, we writing this movie. So when everybody was willing to take like a big lump sum, I was like, no, 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 no. So again, but it was one of those things that afterwards, I wish I had the kind of concept to be able to get everybody to, to understand that we are individuals, but this is uh, is an individual. Fuck you. So let's treat it with respect, right? You don't have to, we don't have to be partners if we don't want to be. But God, this, this business right here belongs to itself and we should treat it as such. We should mm. honor that as what it is. And then we could go do it and we can get out and we mm. can go do it and we can get out. We don't have to be buddies if that's what, but you know, at the time people take it so personal, yeah. you know, and you just don't, you don't get, you get past uh, understanding that, you know, new addition is a thing. Ralph, Bobby, Rick and Mike, they all different folks. You know what I'm saying? You guys new is his own thing. Like, let it be a thing. Let it run for 20 years. Dog. I mean, 30, so you 40, guys- 50 years. You guys were Ray Allen, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. You guys were yep. LeBron, fucking D-Wade, Bosh. You guys were the first, I'm going to say this once again, on record. You guys were the first team from our culture that was assembled that that equally shared high levels of stardom. And, you know, RIP to the late, great legend, Bernie Mac. Yeah. You know, we, we were talking about the TV shows. I left Bernie out. Uh, yeah, course, by accident, but Bernie had a show. Bernie was a fucking headliner. Like you all fucking did it. So you know, there, there's so much that goes into that, and and it comes up all the time. And I always just bow down to the kings of comedy because you know there there are no major doors opened up for comedy and touring if you guys didn't kick that bitch off the hinges the way that you did. Um. But then after that, there's life after. Cedric yeah. the Entertainer. Cedric the Entertainer. Well, said didn't stop. You know, DL didn't stop. Burning didn't stop. But said, said fucking went. Said did specials. Yeah. Said kept the goddamn ball rolling. Said started popping off movies. Um, the transition from, of course, Kings of Comedy, of course, TV, to then movies. Said became a leading man. Where where was your mindset at this point, you know, when all of this is happening? You know, this is, again, this is that time where, you know, you all, like, like, 
like you say, most comedians, we just trying to figure out how to elevate, right? You're trying to get to the next move. So Steve Harvey show is coming to an end because we're touring, we're touring the Kings of Comedy while the Steve Harvey show is still popping, right? So we're we're touring that. And so that's what was dope. Like we would come off, we come off the tour and then you brand and you pull up on the lot in the trucks, you know. Jesus it was just all you just got money, so big. you got money dripping so out your ass, money just falling yeah. out. Yeah, don't touch that bag. Don't touch. Yeah, that bag. exactly. Please, give guys. me that bag, please. Yeah, please, man, send that to me. Put that. Yeah. Oh, I left some money. I left. I left. What? How much you leaving there? How much? I forgot all about that hundred grand. That was, in, that was in the. Yeah. That was in my dressing room in the, on the counter. Leave it there. Oh. I get it. I get it next week. I'll be back. Well, y'all take that then. Go yeah. ahead. No, you know what? That's for y'all. Wait, yeah. sir, sir. This is a lot. <laughs> I just work here. Sir. I must. I don't deliver coffee. That's too much. I'm sorry. No, you need listen. Everybody deserves a shot. Today was yours. You saying you giving you giving you giving metaphors. You giving metaphors with your tips. Hey, listen. Life listen. is a band aid. Today I just yeah. covered you up. Go you ahead. know what I'm saying? So you just got to cover up the wound. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> what? That ain't got nothing to do with. Thanks though. Appreciate it. But so. So, but you know, so we we I, I came we came with um, Johnson family vacation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an opportunity that you know was an idea that you know we had scrambling around. Got a you know, Kings was hot. People was talking to us. All the studios trying to figure out who want to do what. And Fox Searchlight was a small small little you know uh, upcoming kind of joint at the time. And mm-hmm. so they they wanted to take the chance, but they allowed me to produce. And that's that's, what, that's what I was going to get at. How did yeah. you? How did you? How did you understand that you could tap into that creative side? Because you know, at this point, you're you're part of the show, but it's not your show. At this hey. point, Kings of Comedy, you guys are doing it together. But my the reason why I asked you the question said is because I remember Birds and the Bear. I remember you stepping into that producing space. I remember you as the leading man, but you were in the forefront of creating and producing. So how did you make that turn? What, what light bulb went off? It was, it was that, it was, you know, again, it was that, it was that time when you started to see like, uh, like the networks not really needing cause Steve Harvey show had built WB up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, CW, all of them had built themselves off Moesha and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And, and now they, now they ain't got it no more. Now it's a little more white over there. Every network, when you're starting to see like, oh, supernatural. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. like, all right, so we not really need it. And you start to see like, it's going to be important to be able to have your voice, like when you do things. And so movies felt like you way, you had way more control than you did uh, in, in, in TV because TV has so many voices and people from the top in the corporation of it all. But movies in my mind, at least, you know, as a, kind of do just kind of thinking of it outside the box gave me the opportunity to be like oh i could go in and make my own movie because mm. we had started to see people do their own thing ice cube with fridays and all that kind of stuff was popping you're like oh people just taking their ideas and saying all right i can go do that mm-hmm. you just kind of believe it to be so so i basically took that attitude and so we went and you know the movie put, put that movie together shot it had a blast it did well and that was it. So, you know, I was, you know, I was hot in the movie game at that point. And so Damn, when, sure when movies like Barbershop came across and, um, you know, the Honeymooners, I produced that. And uh, uh, Codename the Cleaner, we produced mm-hmm. that, you know. So all of those, all of those things became like just where the steps were. Now you make a misstep or that's, that's the other thing. It's a very hard thing in this business, too, with us if you make a misstep. Like for black people, you don't, we don't You're, get a lot of misses. No, maybe one and a half. Maybe one and a half. Yeah, maybe one you're lucky, and a half. If you're lucky, you get two. If you're lucky. Because you, why do we need to have patience? I don't need that patience with you. Not, not with these, not with the, what? Who, what? No. Not no. with them. I'm not going to have patience with them. You know what? We're done doing business with them because I feel like wow. they're going to take us under. You'd be wait, like, yo. Wait, I grossed. What about these? just at with you, Peter. What are you talking yeah. about? We were what? just laughing. What happened? You just told me I was the golden child here at, yeah. at, at the drop of a dime, the drop of a dime, but said, I, 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 I applaud and just, I, I fucking really admire. I admire your journey to today. You know, you're, you're one of the most liked, if not the most liked 
uh, comedians in the fucking business. And you're one of those guys that when you come across on camera, whether it's the big screen, whether it's TV, people instantly smile. People instantly go fucking sad. Like there's, there's, there's so much love that that comes your way because you can tell that that's what you give off. And that's one of the things that I think is an amazing quality. It's just a, it's just a dope fucking feeling to have. My favorite performance of Cedric the Entertainer, man, said when you did fucking uh not what's what's rock's latest rock's movie where you played the uh five man listen to me said (laughs) said you you listen i don't know what i don't know what the character was written as (laughs) i don't know if it was written for you i never read the script said (laughs) when i tell you that i have never seen an individual smash an individual so hard. When you tell a motherfucker in the room, you try to steal the hangers. Oh, they got the they got, got the lock on. Oh, they hip to your boy, oh, man. They, they know I, they must know what I do around. Man said I am when I tell you, you put your foot in That's- that movie's ass. You, it was, it's, I'm just, I, I, that and the sweat stain on the bed when you got done, (laughs) you got done fucking. That's, that's truly inside the jokes, man, because that's for comedians. When you do shit like that, you know that the comics gonna go. And that's what's so great about doing that with Chris, because Chris, you know, he love it. He great, you know, he love that pen, but he, he, he love comedy. So, you know, when he, when he told me what the character was, it was like, come on, man. Come on, dog. I got him. Don't even worry about it. Don't oh. even stop writing. Stop writing, man. You can stop writing. I'm a, I got him. I've never we, seen anything as funny. stand-ups, we all have met this dude in every city. The promoter that's giving you the, the business <laughs> about how big it's going to be and how dope he got it. And, and, and then it be some full-on mess. You get... I remember one time I got picked up and dude told me it was going to be a limo picked me up. And it was. But it was his. He was driving the limo. Oh. And it was a baby seat in the back, dog. Like when I got in the car, it was a car seat in the back. And he had to go and pick up his son before he took me to the hotel. So I'm like, in a limo for sure. Now I'm in a limo, but it's a little boy next to me, man. Just like, I told you, man. I told you. <laughs> it is the long one. It's the long 14 passenger jump. He had put the divider up. Man, wait, hold up, man. Don't leave me back here with this little baby. <laughs> hey, man, I don't need privacy with this baby. Hold on, bro. Put the put the thing down, man. Yeah, I, I don't I'm, need I'm, it. I'm on the phone real quick. Like, uh, man. This one, this one's gonna make you laugh. I gotta talk about this, man. All right, guys, wait, wait, wait. Once again, too much fucking fun. We're inside the mind of the man, the myth, the legend. This is Cedric the Entertainer himself. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to Comedy Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. I said we are back, man, and we, we got more conversation to be had. You're going to fucking laugh, and I promise you, this floors you, because I need to know <laughs> the real, okay? To our listeners, you all know Naeem Lynn. Naeem Lynn is my guy. He's a plastic cup boy. You guys listen to Straight From The Heart. You know, Naeem, I think he's an asshole. Here's what you guys do not know. Cedric the Entertainer fired Naeem Lynn from the road. Naeem Lynn has yet to tell me the story, but I'm going to tell you what I think that it was. Once upon a time, 
Naeem Lynn was on the road with Cedric the Entertainer and JJ. Shouts out to goddamn Jay. JJ. JJ is one of the fucking funniest. JJ has always been one of the funniest. Now, Naeem yeah. Lynn was going up after Jay. <laughs> JJ was going to stage and host, and Naeem Lynn, from my understanding, was fucking struggling. He would come back to L.A. and I would say, how you do, man? He's like, man, I'm good. But the crowds, they be weird, man. You know, it's just different on the road with them. And I was like, why? Why is it different? How sad do? He's like, sad be killing. I was like, well, how Jay do? He's like, man, Jay be straight. He be straight. He be killing. I said, why are you struggling? He's like, I don't know, man. Something happening in the middle. I don't know if it's the transition or what. Then one day I was like, maybe it's maybe you can't follow Jay. Is that what's happening here? Are you? Maybe you can't follow. Maybe you can't follow Jay. Is that what's happening? He's like, nah, nah, man, they ain't, they ain't, they ain't it at all. And two weeks later, said fired him. Nobody, <laughs> nobody will give me the truth. Said, did you fire Naeem or not? I'm asking for the truth once and for all. No, no, man. I just let it go, man, because I was using him. Like I, I I I like that he was real edgy, and I was trying to write like some edgier material, mm-hmm. and so, but you know his his stuff is very naimish. You know what I mean? It's very much like, and I just I put my fingers not, in the pussy and spread my fingers. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't figure out how to make none of that work. For for <laughs> I was like, that's hilarious, but. Uh, it, what's the what's the what's the version that I could do? You ever put your dick in the butt and when you do it, the butt the butt spread like whoa? You like hey man, uh, real uh, funny. Oh, that was real good. That's, <laughs> but, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's good for you. That's good for you. <laughs> like, but I don't know where I could benefit from that version. I, it ain't no ain't no easy way to tell that joke without <laughs> so. If say, we tried it for a minute, like again, I thought he was funny as hell. I loved the fact that he was edgy, and I was looking for like edgier stuff. And, I, and that's how I end up getting Malik because Malik was the same thing, but he knew how to he knew how to kind of help me shape yeah. my ideas that still could tell this thing. So that, yeah. that was the only thing with Naeem, man. It, it sounds like you like, fired him, sir. It sounds like you fired him. I, I see what you. I, tra- I just let it go, man. It was just a <laughs> he, he got he got just a let go. It was just a let go, man. <laughs> Like, like that's, that's my guy, man. I was like, yeah. I, he told me, he told me y'all be killing him too. Oh man, man we like, fucking kill no. him every every time he say something else. You know, Kev, I can't wait to get from underneath this goddamn shit shit. I'm like, well, I tell you who ain't gonna take it. Said, I tell you that much. I tell you, you're not gonna go over there to Sad's camp because you've been there and they fucking gave you the boot, didn't they? They gave you the fucking boot. Shout out to Malik too. Very very funny oh. guy. Uh, yeah. Sad man, I, I can't say it enough, dude. You. You are truly, truly one of my favorite people. I want to know who who has inspired said within comedy. Who who does said look at and go, holy shit, man, goddamn, dead or alive, it doesn't matter. Well, you know, probably my first greatest inspiration. You know, other than you know, of course, the the, the super kings, which is Richard and, and Eddie for sure. Mm-hmm. Like I love both of those guys, but. Uh, the late Robin Harris, man, was my guy. Man. Wow. Wow. He was he was the kind of comedian that I was able to identify with and see myself as because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't he wasn't like the the, the superstar with the leather suits or none mm. of that. Like he just like somebody uncle up on stage, mm-hmm. you know, and you like, oh, oh. Effortlessly funny. Effortlessly. Yeah, and- and we just the funniest. He was like, and I was like, oh, if you can do that, then yeah. So he was definitely one of my biggest inspirations, you know, comedy wise. Got to shout out Steve Harvey. You know, Steve was one uh-huh. of the dudes who really taught me the business, like gave me a lot of great opportunity. You know, it was like wear the suits and be clean on stay treated like a business. He was like, treat this like a business, man. Like go up there, you know, and, he, and even in negotiating, you know. And and the relentlessness. This dude, I've seen him go up and down. You know, a lot of people well, would be loved to, you know, like, go, oh, Steve fell off. Or this will happen to that. But, man, I've seen this dude be at every level of this game, like top of it, bottom of it. And he always just had that drive, like, to believe in himself. And so, you know, you see him to this day, like, over in Dubai and living on jets and living on yachts. 
and you go like that dude been that's his spirit like and so i trust that i embrace that you know mm. and I, I i believe that the same way and so you know even when he was like he had like a little low period and i was able to put him in johnson family so you know here i am producing movies i call him i'm like yo be my brother dog in this and let's go you mm. know what i'm saying mm. like those kind of things are you, what you love to see happen. And so, um, and, you know, and then, you know, and just, just comedy in general, man. Like, I, there's so many people rock. I love, man. I love to see. He's been somebody, like, early on. we just always been cool and just steady. And so whenever you look at those opportunities. But you I'm, see I'm it too. You see it too. You see it in the relationships, by the way. It's, yeah. it's, very, it's very clear. You know, you see. Yeah. I see when you're with your fucking your brothers you see yeah how close you and said are when you and uh and i'm sorry steve are when you're with steve you see yeah. it when you're with fucking when when you're with rock you see it and i yeah. i love that i love to hear you give them their flowers like that that's what it's about man it doesn't yeah, man. george that. lopez gotta put george in there another one of my mm. dogs that's right you did you did uh let's not yeah. let's not leave that out man we gotta you gotta pay homage to black brown <laughs> get down you lopez eddie griffin and DL. How yeah. long did you guys tour? In the late Charlie Murphy. In the Fuck. late Charlie Murphy. Fuck, man. R.I.P. Charlie Murphy. Yeah, God man. damn. And yep. and how did that one come about? That was another one. That was another. George wanted to. Uh, he wanted to honor Richard Pryor. It was a statue that they wanted to put up on the uh, river in Peoria, Illinois. And mm -hmm. they didn't have enough money. They needed like 80 grand to finish this statue and put it up and erect it and all this stuff. And so George had his idea. He just called everybody and asked us, would we be willing to donate our time to come to Peoria and do this show? And it was just so happened. I was in the loo and I was like, I was visiting my mom. And I was like, oh, Peoria, like a little two hour drive. I was like, bet, I'm gonna do that. I'll, yeah, I'll come up, I'll do that. And then everybody just agreed to do it. And so we all went, it was big, it ripped, and we had sold out some arena. And uh, the promoters was, again, one of these serendipitous things, the promoters was like, yo, this is great. You guys want to do it again? Uh, you know, and we were like, I right, put it together. And we see what everybody look at it. And uh, and we all decided to do it. That ran four years. Yeah, no, you guys show. did that for a minute. We had a TV show. We never did We never did a special on that one, though. But we did do... We did have a series on BET where we did 10 episodes about mm -hmm. it. That was dope. That was fly. And uh, a lot of great times, man. But but he's just one of those dudes with a good spirit, funny as hell, always. And, and you know, again, just, you know, ends up being your brother, man. You know, he's so a that, great that's great guy. He's a great yeah. guy, man. But it's no, it's no coincidence that you have been in the situations that you've been in with the people that you've been in them with, like, you know, good energy attracts good energy. It's, it's that simple. Uh, yeah. and, and in closing, dude, I just want to tell you, you are, you are maybe, maybe a couple weeks away from, uh, seeing okay heart pull up at your house and, uh, just surprise you with, with one of these whips. And, you know, I know that you have embraced uh this, this old school culture set, and I've been leaving you alone. I, I called you a couple times. I've given you a couple <laughs> threats on the phone, and I yeah. don't think I'm playing with you. I'm just waiting for the right time to pull yeah. up on you, and I don't know how yet. I don't know how I'm going to pull up on you, but I'm going to make it aggressive. I, and I, I, I'm definitely not going to have a shirt on. I'm, you, I, mean, I know where you live. I'm, you know you know when I, caught, I went to Utah to see our boy. And, uh, uh, can't dig uh, it. Yeah, can't, can't dig, dig it. it. Yeah. And then I said, and he was like, oh, I said, oh, oh, shit, Kill. Okay, wait a minute. All right. Yeah, he trying to go to he he trying to go there with it. Yeah, okay. I, I got I got some shit over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to I respect your car game though, said. Yeah, I've been having fun heat. with him. You got some heat, man. It's a it's a different level of love that goes into them old school cars. They last forever. So I yeah, and why you over there with it, man. And you look yeah. good doing it too. That's what's important. Yeah, it's been great. It's one of them cool things to get out, man. And you know, you, you know, the more you the more you try to keep it safe and and stay out of trouble. You got to find them other hobbies that just like, all right, cool. This I can ride around and not, you know, not, not be in dances. You come over my house. There's five bird houses in the back. That's what I've been doing. Building bird? bird houses and painting them. That's what I've been doing. Oh, nice. That's a good yeah, skill yeah. set. This, this is where these pit. You know, I got uh, these little birds coming. This one right here said, "Let me show you these birds." That's where the fuck my hobbies have went. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so you like? Oh, you let the birds just come. The natural birds come and. <laughs> 
Hey, you paid the bird houses. Yeah, good right. for you. Good hey, for you, man. Kev. Hey, yeah. God, bad, God bless you, Kev. God fucking bless yeah. you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. But you, but you start you, telling me all kinds of birds. Yeah. You know what that is? A flying sparrow. And these guys, <laughs> you'll be like, Kev, Kev, Kev. It's blue. Have you ever seen a, a blue-tailed bird? No. You've never seen anything like it. I promise you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you see get all bird. excited. <laughs> oh, my God. Look. There it is. There it is. There it is. Right there. Right there, Seth. Do you see it? Yeah, man, I don't give a fuck about that bird. We drink it or not, Kev. Do it taste like chicken? <laughs> no, say we can't cook the blue tail bird. Uh -oh. oh, you can't cook a sparrow? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, God damn it, we were inside the mind of the man, the myth, the legend, Cedric the Entertainer said, I cannot thank you enough, man. Uh, genuinely, I appreciate you, and I love you, man. You're, yeah, you're a real one. You're, you're a friend for real. And uh, I just, I appreciate what you've done for our craft and for our culture, man. You are, you are definitely a, a guy whose name will be in lights for fucking ever, dude. Your, your story is an amazing, is an amazing one. You're continuing to write more chapters to it. So keep shining, brother. The world is watching uh, and we're all fans. I love you, champ. Comedy Goldmines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil with Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface.